1: Last December, the Panthers caught the Seahawks flat footed at Lumen Field. Will they be able to get revenge, or will the Panthers do it again in week three? We'll be breaking it all down on crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Greetings 12s and Panthers fans. This is Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be joined here on our crossover Thursday special by Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. Julian's second straight year that we get to discuss a matchup at Lumen Field. I know that Seahawks fans are still bitter about the way that that one played out last year. The Panthers coming into town and running the ball all over the Seahawks. Everybody did that to the Seahawks last year, and they're going to be looking to prevent that from happening. But, Julian, looking forward to discussing this game. I know the Panthers are looking for their first win. They've had some success in Seattle, uh, but it's been kind of a rough start for the Panthers to this point.
0: Yeah, it has. And honestly, when you look back at last year's performance against the Seahawks late in the season, it was the first road win for the Panthers all year. It was the first time they had back-to-back wins. And it was a big moment for a team that still had an opportunity late last year to win a bad division in the NFC South. And it's even more impressive when you consider what Steve Wilkes was able to do last year with that team who had a, a a, bat, a offense that was honestly awful. And just looking at the offense so far this year, a really impressive job that Steve Wilkes did, especially after looking at the first two weeks here in Carolina.
1: Looking at storylines going into this game, a lot has changed for the Panthers. As you mentioned, Steve Wilkes did a phenomenal job with a team that really didn't have any business winning many games and they were able to stay in contention until late in the season in that bad NFC South, but he's gone. He's now calling plays on defense for the 49ers. They've got Frank Reich as the head coach. Bryce Young, the new quarterback, number one overall pick, and yet now his status may be a little bit up in the air going into this game. I don't know that there's a bigger storyline for the Panthers, but you being the expert, sir, you may have something else that's even more pressing going into this week's game.
0: I feel like Bryce Young's health kind of ties into what really has been the biggest uh, talk of the town the last couple days since that future performance on Monday night. It's that the offense is god-awful. And if Bryce Young does not play on Sunday, that's only going to make matters worse. And him not practicing on Wednesday, being held out of their walkthrough, that's not encouraging. Now, Frank Reich, the head coach here in Carolina, did say that having played the position and just knowing the position, it's football. You're going to miss practice. Quarterbacks are going to do that all the time. They might miss a practice or two every year. It's not that big of a deal to miss a Wednesday practice. Now we'll see if he's out there on Thursday. We'll see if he's out there on Friday and whether he does travel with the team this to seattle later on this weekend so right now not overly concerning but the way the panthers offense has performed is concerning so far they're dead last in the league with 13 and a half points through two games it's 27 total and their last in passing yardage at 133 yards and through the first two games on average and it's shocking that it's that bad considering you couldn't have thought it would get any worse than how they started last year when baker mayfield was a starting quarterback here in carolina but they have been worse because through two games last year they had 40 total points, so 20 points per game. And they had averaged 168 yards through the air through the first two games. So it's gotten worse with Bryce Young as the quarterback. But it's not really on Bryce Young. This is on the wide receivers and their inability to get open. There's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of Panther fans calling for a new play caller. And I've just asked him, how does changing the play caller after two weeks change the fact that you do not have the requisite talent on the outside? I don't see Tyler Lockett on this team. I don't see DK Metcalf. I don't see Jackson Smith and Jigba. They have Adam Thielen, DJ Chark, and a rookie in Jonathan Mingo who's trying to find his way through the first two weeks of the season. Like, through the first two weeks, the receivers, in total, have 19 receptions on 33 targets for 158 yards. 63 in week one, 95 on Monday night in the week two loss against the Saints. So the receivers combined have yet to even have 100 yards receiving together in a single game that they played. I don't look at the quarterback as being the problem. I saw a graph earlier today before coming on here where they were looking at quarterbacks who have had open window throws and their accuracy. Bryce Young, through two weeks of the season, has had the least amount of open window throws in the National Football League. But when he's gotten them, he's been the most accurate quarterback in the league. So just maybe, whether they get schemed open or, I don't know, maybe do their job and get open, the Panthers' passing offense could look a lot better than it's looked so far. So yes, Bryce Young missing practice isn't great. I do think the offensive struggles are not that surprising. I did try to tell my listeners that the receivers weren't very good and with a new scheme and then the injuries that they suffered in the preseason where Chark was missing some time, he missed week one. And also you saw LaVishka Chennault who has not been nearly as involved as you thought he might have been. He missed time for concussion. Terrace Marshall as well who had to start week one. It's not like they were that healthy. So now if your quarterback not out there on Wednesday, that only hurts the offense in an effort to try and find some continuity. So the biggest storyline here is, yes, Bryce Young out with that ankle on Wednesday. We'll see how serious it is. That yep, really, it's that the offense is just straight trash through two weeks. Seahawks fans are going to listen to what you
1: just said, and this may surprise you, but they're wanting Bryce Young to pull through and be ready to play this weekend because <laughs> there's a bit of a backup quarterback jinx in the Pacific Northwest. There's two particular guys. Colt McCoy is 3-0 and in his career, starting against the Seahawks, and Two of those games, he didn't even play well, but it just seems like nothing goes right for the Seahawks on either side of the football. When Colt McCoy is on the other side, he has been kryptonite. Andy Andy Dalton's been almost as bad. Three and one in his career against the Seahawks, including beating them with the Saints last year. Now, you go back and watch the game. Andy Dalton wasn't the reason the Saints won that game. It was Taysom Hill and those wildcat runs that were so successful that Seattle could not stop. But nonetheless, it's similar to Colt McCoy. It just seems like if Andy Dalton is starting against Pete Carroll defenses, crazy things are going to happen that are going to go wrong for the Seahawks. But as far as storylines away from that backup quarterback jinx for the Seahawks, they got their offense on track last week against the Lions. And this is a team that should be able to put a lot of points to the board with the weapons they have with Geno Smith, the way he's playing an improved offensive line. But it's been the defense, even though they made some plays last week, they made some critical turnovers happen when they needed them most in the second half. This is still a defense that has given up more than 400 total yards each of the first two games. So if there's a week that Bryce Young and these receivers maybe can do some damage, as much talent as the Seahawks have on this defense, they have not been able to put everything together. Now, there was some life the end of last week in the second half. Draymond Jones finally started to make the money they paid him getting after the quarterback. Chenin was doing it. Their linebackers have been solid. Bobby Wagner's still playing at a very high level. Jordan Brooks is playing well. They got some good plays from their secondary. Trey Brown had a pick six. Devin Witherspoon had an encouraging NFL debut. And yet their safeties and their slot corners, they have been giving up catches left and right. And so they're trying to figure out all the schematic stuff, trying to clean things up. This team just has too much talent on defense, but Maybe getting Jamal Adams back this week. We don't know if he's going to be ready to play just okay. yet, but if he plays, that certainly could add more intrigue to this matchup all around because Adams was obviously not healthy for the game last year. They feel like he is going to bring a unique skill set that is totally going to transform this defense that they haven't had out there and really allow Seattle to maximize their personnel. So that's kind of a wild card story here, but the defense. They're looking for this unit to start to round into form, much the same way that the Panthers are trying to find a way to get their offense rounding into form. So it's kind of one of those something's got to give matchups. Is Seattle's defense going to step into the plate, or is Bryce Younger, Andy Dalton, going to come out and say, you know what, we can put points on the board because this Seattle defense has not been able to stop people. And that really makes it a fascinating matchup between a 1-1 and 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 0-2 team going into week three. We're going to actually get to individual matchups coming up next year as we go into this game at Lumen Field. Where do the Panthers have potential advantages? Where do the Seahawks have advantages? Of course, the concerning matchups as well. We'll dive into those here in a moment on Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network which is brought your way by our friends over at PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Price Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. This week on Price Picks, I'm selecting Ken Walker the third to rush for 80 yards against the Panthers. We'll see if it actually happens. Devonte Adams to surpass 100 yards as well for the Raiders. Price Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to PricePicks.com slash NFL and use the code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PricePicks.com slash NFL and use the code NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Two years ago, I randomly got sick during the middle of the day on a Sunday. I didn't want to have to go to an urgent care to get a big medical bill. It would have been really nice to have a Jace case in that situation with immediate antibiotics that I could use to get myself feeling better, fast, without all the upfront costs associated with heading to an emergency room or urgent care. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medical Uh, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical Plus, an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON. You're listening to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be chatting it up with Julian Council of Locked On Panthers as we gear up for Sunday's rematch from last season at Lumen Field. The teams are a little bit different, particularly the Panthers at the quarterback positions we talked about, Bryce Young or Andy Dalton. Neither one of them were on the roster last year. One of them is going to be starting for Carolina going into this game. Seattle's got some new Cumber's on both sides of the ball as well, and maybe an old face returning in Jamal Adams. But going into this game, Julian, with all these new faces, the Panthers' defense has been really stingy to this point. It's been the yeah. opposite of Seattle's offense. Really, these two teams are kind of the same way, just flipping the line of scrimmage. Seattle's offense has a ton of talent. They finally put it together last week. The defense has yet to figure it out. Panthers, they've kind of been the opposite. Their offense isn't getting the job done, but the defense is playing really well. Going into this game, what's one matchup where you think the Panthers could have a major advantage and
0: what would be a matchup that concerns
1: you going against the Seahawks team on Sunday?
0: Yeah, and it's honestly surprising when I was looking at the uh, DVOA numbers by Aaron Schatz before I came on here, where the offense is actually twenty eighth in the league. I don't know how they're not dead last. And the defense surprisingly was only eighteenth in DVOA through uh, two weeks of the season. Uh, But the Panthers' defense has been good so far. They've been able to keep them in these games. And uh, the game week one is a lot closer than the twenty four to ten scoreline looked like. And the game on Monday night probably was not as close as the twenty seventeen scoreline looked like. But looking at matchups on Sunday, of course, uh, Andy Dalton if he plays that will be something to look out for obviously Bryce showing if he's out there that's obviously of course something that we'll be looking at uh, every single week here in Carolina but really the matchup I'm focused on is wide receivers for the Panthers versus the defensive backs from Seattle and I'm hearing you just a moment ago talk about the struggles that the Seahawks have had so far maybe this is an opportunity for Adam Thielen DJ Shark Jonathan Mingo and the rest of this wide receiver core to finally get going and even if the Seahawks don't have a great defense it doesn't really matter You need to be able to build something, some sort of confidence moving forward. So that's absolutely a matchup I'm looking out for because they have to get open. I don't care whether it's Dalton playing, whether it's Bryce Young, Jake Luton, who they signed to the practice squad on Wednesday. If he gets elevated, if Bryce Young's out, I don't care who the quarterback is. Those guys have to do their job, get open and give them an opportunity to have a passing offense and not to be one dimensional. That was a good thing that last year, which is so surprising the Panthers were able to beat Seattle, such a great football, well, not a great football team, but a playoff team, was because they were able to run the football. Like They were one-dimensional, but the Panthers don't want to be that this year. They want to have some semblance of balance, and so far through two weeks, they've been able to run for 100 yards in both those games, but they have not been able to throw the football effectively through the air, so that's something that they certainly need to fix. And the Panthers' wide receivers need to be uh, need to step up and try and uh, exploit the matchup against the Seattle Seahawks' defensive backs. Now, the matchup that concerns me is on the outside with uh, DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. The Carolina Panthers are down JC Horn, who's their best corner. On Monday night, they actually played pretty well against the Saints' wide receiver core that has Chris Olave. They have uh, Shahid. They have Michael Thomas. I felt like. Dante Jackson, who's now stepped into that number one role, and CJ Henderson played fairly well. The problem, though, was they gave up two chunk plays, each of them. And now, the one that Henderson gave up to Chris Olave—that's just a great catch by Olave. But the second one that Dante Jackson gave up to Shahid pretty much salt iced the game away. So the Panthers cannot give up big explosive passing plays to Seattle who, you know, it gets very loud in there. You don't want that crowd to be that hyped up and really that against you. It's already going to be. So not giving up big passing plays. So I'm looking at the Carolina Panthers corners against the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers, trying to avoid those chunk plays. But then as far as a matchup positive for the Panthers, hoping that the wide receivers can finally figure something out against the Seattle Seahawks secondary.
1: Yeah, that to me is the biggest advantage that Seattle has going into this game. Now, if J.C. Horn was playing, I would probably have a different matchup that I'd be talking about. But I remember him baiting Geno Smith on yeah. the first drive last year, and I know how good of a player J.C. Horn is when he is healthy. Unfortunately, he's had a few big injuries since he came into the league, and you always want to beat teams at full strength. So I'm a little disappointed that J.C. Horn's not going to be out there this week, but you it and me totally both makes life easier for D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think Metcalf in particular, he injured his ribs on Sunday, but he ended up coming back in the game and finished. Sounds like he's going to be good to go by – game day, didn't practice on Wednesday, but he should be good to go. This is a game where I feel like if he's got Henderson across from him, he's got the major size advantage. If he's going against Jackson, I feel like the speed is going to be a major issue winning downfield. And Tyler Lockett has had a a number of big games against the Carolina Panthers over the years. And now they've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's yet to have that breakout game, but he had a couple of really nice first down catches against Detroit. It feels like That addition with the tight ends that Seattle's got as well, the tight ends had 130-plus receiving yards against Detroit. So people forget that they have three really good tight ends. But I think that receiver versus corner matchup really works in Seattle's favor if they can keep Geno Smith protected. That's where the concern comes to me. I'm Both my matchups are going to be on the offensive side of the ball because I feel like Seattle's defense, even though they've struggled at times, I feel like the talent is there for them to be able to do what they need to do against this Panthers offense if they are able to tackle and they're able to play sound responsibility-wise. But Mm -hmm. I worry, can Jake Curhan and Stone Forsythe, the two backup tackles, can they have a repeat performance? They were really good against the Detroit Lions on Sunday. Geno Smith got hit one time in four quarters and overtime. They did a phenomenal job protecting him but I don't know, based off of film, Carolina is going to be able to do some stuff. They've got Brian Burns, they've got Justin Houston, they got some other really good edge rushers. Get Derek yeah. Brownley inside. I just worry about the ability to protect, particularly off the edge. If Brian Burns is going up against Jake Curhan, they're going to need a tight end to chip almost every play because his speed is going to be too much for Jake Curhan, probably. But Curhan, he exceeded expectations last week. Maybe he's ready to roll, but. That is what scares me. Are you going to be able to take advantage of the receiving talent that you have against this injury-marred secondary? Are you going to be able to take advantage of it with the pass protection? They could do it against Detroit. A lot of quick passes. They were able to hit a few big plays downfield, but if the pass protection doesn't hold up, we saw it last year. Carolina got a lot of pressure on Geno Smith. If they're not able to do that, uh, then I think it's going to be really tricky. And you could have a repeat performance of last year where Carolina comes in and makes this a very interesting game and potentially wins. So that is the most concerning matchup. When you got two backup tackles, it's going to continue to be an issue when you're dealing with really good pass rushing teams like Carolina that's almost at 13% for sack rate in these first two games.
0: Yeah, and let me add to that for a second uh, as far as Brian Burns and Justin Houston go. Uh, we talked about Bryce Young not practicing on Wednesday. Uh Burns and Houston were both limited. Burns with an ankle and he was hobbled on Monday night. Uh so not sure how serious that will that is and how and what it will be, but I would imagine he's probably going to be fine, but then Justin Houston also was limited with a calf issue, so those two things to look out for as those of course the primary pass rushers for the Panthers who have been great uh so far getting to the quarterback. This Season. Yeah,
1: Seattle's got some injury issues of their own. And I mentioned with the tackle spot, Charles Cross, they're still listing day to day, but I think that Stone Foresight is going to be the starter at left tackle because Cross dealing with a sprayed big toe. I-, I would be stunned if he's able to play just two weeks after suffering that injury. I expect he's going to miss at least one more game. And Reek Woolen on the outside doesn't sound like he's going to be able to play on defense. And so you mentioned the receivers. If you don't have Reek Woolen out there that you have to worry about, that could open things up for Adam Thielen and DJ Shark. So there's a number of matchups that I feel could go Carolina's way, and there's a number of matchups I feel like Seattle has the clear advantage from a talent perspective. But you and I both know talent isn't everything on game day. We saw that last year when these two teams got together. We're going to be breaking down keys to victory. What What do each of these teams need to do to win on Sunday at Lumen Field? Plus, our predictions will be looking at the spread. The Seahawks, a six-point favorite heading into this week. Are they going to cover, or are the Panthers going to make things interesting? We'll be discussing all that coming up next year on Crossover Thursday, which is brought your way by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Putting it simply, Bird Dogs makes you look and feel good. You won't want to take them off. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. And unlike regular shorts, Bird Dogs aren't made of a stiff, restricting cotton. They keep you comfortable year-round. Take my word for it, whether I'm heading to Carolina, for example, to cover a tough road game or chilling at my house preparing for a podcast like today. I'm always sporting bird dog shorts and joggers because they are extremely comfortable. They don't restrict movement while keeping the slim look. We all need that. That and sweat-wicking fabric keeps me cool and dry all day long, no matter the elements. I can't recommend bird dogs enough. You'll want to wear them all day, every day. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL or enter the promo code locked NFL at checkout. For a free bird dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.
1: You're listening to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. Glad to be joined for today's show by Julian Council of Locked On Panthers. we got a big matchup coming up on Sunday. Carolina looking for its first win. The Seahawks aiming to maintain momentum after a big road upset over the favored Detroit Lions. Looking at this rematch, these two teams met in December and Carolina beat Seattle at Lumen Field last year in a big upset of their own. What do the Panthers need to do
0: to get the victory here? It would be nice to actually be able to have an effective pass game on Sunday. Like I just don't see them winning this football game if they can't keep up with Seattle through the air. And I know Seattle, Detroit, I watched that game on Sunday. It was nice to uh not have to watch a game on Sunday that you had to work, Corbin. It's very uh, it's very I really like those Sundays in the fall that it can do that. But it was uh, it was a fun game to watch Detroit and Seattle and just go see those teams go back and forth. And in the NFL today, you have to have an effective passing game if you're going to be one of the top teams in the league. Now, I don't think the Panthers are going to be that this year. Uh, Obviously, early returns are showing that's probably not going to be the case. But I do still think they can be competitive once they start to figure things out on that side of the football, especially through the air. So what needs to go right for the Panthers is the receivers need to get open. It would help if the scheme looks better and the Carolina Panthers can figure out a way to somehow get them open. And then whoever plays quarterback, just deliver the ball on time accurately. And then let's see if the Panthers can actually be able to piece together some sort of continuity and rhythm through the air. So they need to be able to get the receivers open and have the receivers make plays once they do get the football. That's not been the case the first two weeks of the season. That must change on Sunday in Seattle. Uh, The second thing. They got to establish a run game. I was honestly surprised that the Panthers rushed for over 150 yards week one against the Falcons, why they didn't try to run the ball more uh, against the Saints on Monday night. Frank Reich, Panthers head coach, came out on Monday, and even Tuesday after the game, looking back at the film, and he's just saying how they were – you know, and bat, they were behind the chains after not being successful in first down, which I understand. But if you're not successful passing the football, why not at least try a second and nine run? I know that's not necessarily what you want to do, but if you get three or four yards, it's much better than an incompletion, which was the case in large part for the Panthers, who converted a third down with 952 left in the first quarter. And it wasn't until about 11 minutes left in the game in the fourth quarter when they converted another third down because they were in such long situations, maybe because they got away from the run. So I would like for them to get back to the run, whether it's Shuba Hubbard, who looked good week one, didn't get to see enough of him week two in the run game, and Miles Sanders, who has kind of had a slow start to the season after missing all preseason with a groin injury, need to establish a run, take some pressure off of Bryce Young, off Andy Dalton, whoever starts there on Sunday afternoon, and take some pressure off the passing offense that has not been good so far, and that's a team that you mauled last year. Now, there's some concerns at guard. As Brady Christensen, the left guard's out for the rest of the season with a pec injury or a bicep injury, rather, in and at right guard, you have now Cade Mays who started there, but maybe it's Calvin Brock Morton, but Austin Corbett, he's currently on the pup list after tearing his ACL in week 18 against the Saints, so they're waiting to get him back. You got two young guys there at left guard and right guard that have been kind of rotating back and forth, and so far, their PFF grades. At least the ones that are total, they're sub-50. That's not great. I'm too cheap to pay for it and find out what the run-blocking grades are. But their overall grades haven't been good so far through the first two weeks. So they need to find a way to establish a run game somehow, some way. And then get after Geno Smith. The Panthers have eight sacks so far through the first two weeks of the season. hasn't just been Burns. It's been Frankie Luvu who has three so far at linebacker. He's going to have to step up now that Shaq Thompson's likely out for the rest of the season. Justin Houston got into the action, Derek Brown. It's been a multitude of guys getting after the quarterback the first two weeks. It took them to week five last year to get the eight sacks. They've already done the first two weeks of the season, getting after their Geno Smith, helping out that secondary, and not allowing DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to burn them downfield by getting after Geno that's the way the Carolina Panthers can win this football game on Sunday. So you got to get the receivers open, make some plays, establish a run game, help out that passing game, and then just light Geno up as far as the pressure goes on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, to me, this game is all about the run game on both sides of the ball and simply protecting Geno
1: Smith. Going off of your keys to the game, can Jay Curhan and Stone Forsythe do it again? And can Shane Waldron do it again, scheming the offense to be able to help out? these tackles because I thought he did a great job against Detroit of mixing in a lot of two and three tight end looks. He had running backs coming in and chipping in on edge rushers. Can they do something similar again when Carolina's now got film on everything he did against Detroit? Are you going to be able to do a lot of those things and be successful at it again. And when you do get in one-on-one situations, can Forsythe and Curhan win the battle? I like Seattle's chances with the interior of holding up. I worry about the tackle positions, though. Two straight weeks with backups being in there. And then with the run game, that's really how you take pressure off those tackles. And Seattle actually did not run the ball well at all against Detroit. Ken Walker third, average less than three yards per carry. But this is a Panthers defense as well as their pass rush is been. These first couple of weeks, they have given up some big plays in the run game. You have Shaq Thompson out. This feels like an area that the Seahawks can take some advantage of, getting that run game going, take some of the pressure off of your tackles in pass protection, let them get after the run game, particularly Kerhan, and most importantly, slow down a guy like a Brian Burns by not letting him pin his ears back. He's got to play the run. If you let him do that often, it gives you a chance to wear him down some and really give your offense balance that they haven't necessarily had these first two weeks and then on defense as you mentioned last year the Panthers they were able to come in and they were able to just beat down on the Seahawks and everybody did it to Seattle last year the Seahawks had the 30th ranked run defense now it's only been two games but they are the third best run defense the NFL through the first two weeks of the season they are giving out giving up 2.9 yards per carry now is that a mirage Or is that truly what this defense is going to be? Bobby Wagner returning has certainly helped. He is still one of the best run-defending linebackers in the NFL. I think Jaron Reed's looked really good. Draymond Jones has made some plays. The front line has exceeded my expectations in that regard, even though the pass rush has been pretty inconsistent these first two games. But this is a Panthers team that has shown they can run the football effectively. And if they commit to it this week, as you're begging them to do, it gives them a chance to take advantage of a run defense for the Seahawks that even though they've been good the first two weeks, there have been some flashes where last year's run defense has shown up. They've been able to recover quickly from that, but it does feel like that is still an area. The Seahawks defense could have some trouble in this game, make Carolina one dimensional. I don't care who's playing quarterback. If you put the ball in Bryce Young or Andy Dalton's court with the receivers, they have the inability they've had to separate You make this a one-dimensional passing attack, they haven't been able to do it. I think that plays into the Seahawks' hands. So I think this game is all about the run game on both sides and making sure that Geno Smith stays upright. Now, let's get to the predictions real quick. Looking at the spread going into this game, Julian, the Seahawks are a six-point favorite going into this matchup at Lumen Field. Carolina coming in 0-2. It's understandable why the Seahawks are favorites, especially after a big win over the Lions. But looking at this game, Do you think the Seahawks cover at six points as favorites, or do you think Carolina finds a way to keep this close or even pull off the upset the way they did the end of last year? Yeah, I mean,
0: it's the NFL, so it's likely going to be a one-score game. That's just kind of how these things work week in and week out. And it's important to understand, like, it's a week-to-week league. I don't think the Panthers were that bad against Atlanta. They just had opportunity. Like, they turned the ball over three times. They don't turn the ball over three times. They can win that football game against the Falcons. It's not like the Falcons went up and down the field on them all day. They had to convert those turnovers into points to win that game on that Sunday afternoon. Yes, the passing offense wasn't great. The Panthers did run the ball a lot better. So I don't think they were that bad against the Falcons. Now, the Saints score is a little bit misleading. The Saints basically let the Panthers go down the field when they were already up 20-9 to late in the fourth quarter. So the Panthers really lost by two scores there. But maybe they can build some sort of momentum off of that final drive, even if the Saints are kind of playing, you know, some off coverage and allowing Carolina to get down the field. Defensively, they've been good. And I do think the defense can keep them in any game. The concern moving forward, though, will be how do they play without J.C. Horn and now Shaq Thompson. And we'll start to find out that on Sunday afternoon against the Seahawks. So I, I do think the Panthers can cover. I wouldn't be necessarily surprised. If they win this football game, just because it's the NFL, man. Yeah, you might look bad the first two weeks. I do think this offense isn't as bad as they've shown. I'm not quite surprised by the 0-2 start or by the offensive struggles. I told Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints last week when we were doing our crossover that I felt like going into the season – Panthers, I guess, 50% chance to be 1-1, one one, 45% chance to be 0-2. Like, I did not think this was going to be a 2-0 and 0 football team. So being 4-0-2 and and is not a shock to me. But I have a hard time seeing them start off 0-3, just knowing that, I mean, when you're down on this team, which typically when I get down on them, that's when they start to win football games. And I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quitting on them right now. I don't feel great about this team. But it would not shock me if they go to Seattle and get a win on Sunday afternoon, even though the Seahawks, of course, have looked like the better football team through two weeks of the season. I've learned from last season when Seattle went
1: 0-4 inexplicably against the NFC South. That was the one thing that really hurt them that almost caused them to miss the playoffs last year. I have learned not to take any of these NFC South teams lightly. And Carolina-Seattle, going back to the Cam Newton years when Carolina was competing for championships, like these two teams, they always had really weird games, and a lot of times they were low-scoring. Last year, Seattle laid an egg. So... I'm hesitant to say that Seattle's going to cover, but I think they're going to cover this game. I don't know that it's going to be much more than the six-point spread, but I think Seattle is going to cover in this game. Now, I'll explain on tomorrow's Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks why I think that's the case, but I think that Seattle's just got a too many, too few many horses on both sides of the ball. They're going to be getting some players back. We might see Jamal Adams. We'll have to see. It's too early in the week to know if he's going to play in this game, but I think with the momentum they've got coming out of the game – They have enough guys that were on the team last year when Carolina came and beat them last year that they're going to have a little bit of a sick taste in their mouth, wanting to get some revenge going into this game. I think there is going to be some uh, some grudge match type things going on for the Seahawks here. So I think they cover, but I don't know that it's going to be much more than that six points. I think Carolina is going to come in and give them a game because they have that really solid defense that's got. Some really good pass rushers that have given the Seahawks fits. And Frankie Louvu always plays like an all-pro against the Seahawks. So I am confident that he is going to cause problems in this game as well. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But for Seahawks and Panthers fans, make sure that you are listening in to Locked on Seahawks and Locked on Panthers on Friday for more information, more in-depth detail and analysis going into this matchup coming up on Sunday between the Seahawks and the Panthers Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your week. Go Hawks and go Panthers.
2: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.